Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. This is JC. Well, we are on a summer sabbatical. Every year around this time, we like to take a few weeks off from our weekly recording. Uh, Life just gets really busy during the summer for all of us between speaking at camps and conferences and retreats, uh, family vacations, church events. There's so much going on during the summer. And so we take a slight pause during the summer for a little summer sabbatical, Uh, but we're not going anywhere. In fact, when we come back in August, we have got some incredible uh, interviews and conversations lined up. We're going to be taking this summer, actually, and preparing for some of those conversations that are coming in August. You're going to want to be sure to stay tuned to that. But this summer, what we're going to do is take a look back. Uh, We are uh, almost to 200 episodes, and we've had some incredible conversations over the last few years. And so this summer, we're going to take a look back at some of the conversations that got us to where we are today. It's a trip down memory lane. We're going to hit the old paths of the RFP, if you will. (laughs) I can't wait for that. A couple things I do want to make you aware of. You can go to our website right now, recoveringfundamentalist.org. Go on the Israel trip with us. If you're a pastor, we'd love for you to be part of this trip January 24th through February the 3rd. It's only $2,800 to go with us, uh, give or take a few dollars there. But you can find all of the information at recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Israel tab and go with us to the Holy Land. Also, we're real excited coming up the first weekend in November. That's November 3rd and 4th in Danville, Virginia. It is our second annual For the Sake of the Gospel Conference. And this year is going to be just as great as last year was. Go ahead and make plans. We'll have more information coming on that uh, when we come back in August. All right. Hey, thanks for being here with us on the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. We'll be back live in August. Until then, enjoy this trip down memory lane with some of our favorite episodes of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Let's go. All you have to do is keep both feet flat on the floor, your tray in the upright position, and your seat belt on. If you'll do all that, let's welcome everybody that's listening around the world today. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. If these men are fundamentalists, I'm Frankenstein. It's a shame what's going on in our churches. The church looks like a rock and roll concert filled with flesh and entertainment. Oh, they'll sing for an hour and a half, but they only want 10 minutes of preaching. I'm not putting up with that bunch of nonsense here. I'm not putting up with it. We still believe the King James Bible. We still dress right. We still sing the old hymns out of the songbook. We ain't changed nothing. Two. I don't want no lip, wrist, yellow belly, egg sucking, compromising, sold out preacher preaching to me. I don't have any confidence in it. I want a leather lung raising hell. John the Baptist that'll come out of the wilderness with the power of God on him and preach. We'll sell ice cream before you ever step foot back in this pulpit again. One. I guarantee you cuss mail's coming in right now. 
I promise you, I know these egg-sucking pop-belly liberals. They'll sit in their little living room with a fake name behind their computers and send me their cuss mail. You're so gutless you wouldn't make a splat on a windshield if it hits you head on. You ought to at least tell me your real name. I just want to make myself very clear today. Somebody say amen! Hey everybody, welcome to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. That was an incredible intro. Come on, oh, Cowboy Cal, what editing abilities that man has. Good job, Nate. Thank you. You had to listen to that many Phil Kidd sermons, though. I'm telling you, Phil Kidd single-handedly put down everybody else in our other intro. I awesome. absolutely loved it. Hey, what can last longer than a Faith Baptist Bible Camp offering and a Dean McNeese message in the same service? A container from Home Life at podlife.house. That's what can. Whether you need affordable or want absolutely adorable, let the team at podlife.house design an eco-friendly pod home for your guest house, your second house, or for the offended husband, maybe a dog house. Visit them online at podlife.house. Start designing your own space and view pre-built models that are currently available. Guys, last week's episode was absolutely incredible. What are the numbers? Yes. It's approaching a pretty good number there. We're approaching 10,000 downloads in one wow. week man roku how did we know that roku would be what takes us to a whole nother level yeah our numbers are going up across the board paul's episode is up over seven thousand downloads and in number three brian townsend is about to hit five thousand how awesome is that the save single sanctified and searching young man that's it i think we need to say to all of our new listeners that have come on board with Phil or the Phil haters or where, however you got here, welcome. We've got about three, four thousand new listeners, so welcome to the show. So Twitter started blowing up the other night, and folks were sending us direct messages, fake sermons. IFB preacher clips started sending it. Uh, Malachi O'Brien sent us one. Our Patreon started blowing us up and said, hey, Sword of the Lord Conference is mentioning you guys like all the time. And Nathan Rager is sitting on the front row shouting, hey, man, right there at all of it. And so sure enough, we found the clips and IFB Preacher Clips came through again and found us a nice clip there. We made it to the Sword of the Lord Conference, guys. That is huge. Hamblin loves the Recovering Fundamentalist he podcast. Just can't keep it out of his mouth. Brother John Hamblin, we are so glad that you listened to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Will you come on? You've got an open door anytime you want to. I had a personal conversation with Nathan Rager this week, and he said, Hamblin has a bone to pick with you guys. And I was like, tell him to come on Let's the show. Go. I said, do you think he would? He goes, uh, no. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> well, I, I was really impressed because in order to mention the Recovering Fundamentalist, he actually had to add something new to one of his seven sermons on the fly. <laughs> and That's so the true. fact that he could work in a new statement was pretty doggone amazing. What are you allergic to, Brian? <laughs> that tweet kind of blew up, didn't it? It did. Uh, we want to thank one of our sponsors, J Radio. They have music, all kinds of genres that you can think of. They got dubstep. They got Brian's favorite, which is ska music. I threw it on you right there. Are you, you talking were... about screamo? <laughs> Like, there I we don't go. Even know what that is, man. <laughs> what is ska? Ska is a different type, isn't it? I don't know. I isn't just... that like supertones? OC supertones? Isn't that ska music? I don't know. It's it's that's a ocean I haven't really dipped my toes into. Yet. I don't know. <laughs> we want to thank J Radio for being our sponsor. We're coming to you live from the J Radio studios today. We also want to thank our sponsor, Free Life Soap. You can check them out by going to the RecoveringFundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use your promo code RFP and get ten percent off of your order. So speaking of Free Life Soap. 
the owner of Free Life Soap was downtown Ringgold the other day, and as I'm driving through, I stopped at the red light and yelled at her, hey, lady. She goes, my goodness, I want to thank you guys for all you're doing. She said, every Wednesday, my site blows up with your listeners buying stuff from Free Life Soap. And so we want to thank you for going to Free Life Soap and buying some good-smelling stuff. We also want to thank our patrons of Patreon. You guys are absolutely incredible. Thank you for sponsoring the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. I actually had a conversation today with one of our patrons. Did you? You want to know who it was? Cowboy Kyle. Cowboy Kyle. I was was on there, and he was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done in time. And he was like, I've got some paying customers. I was like, we'll pay you. We've got a little bit of money now. And he was like, dude, I'm one of your patrons. And he's just like laughing at me. (laughs) How incredible is it that one of our patrons has three ACM awards? That's amazing. Cowboy Kyle is the man, the myth, and the legend all wrapped up in one. Guys, I'm just glad to be back with you. Like, How you feeling? Looking at you. I had COVID. I got the COVID. I got the Wuhan (laughs) virus. It it, it was different. I I know for some, it's really bad. For me, it, it... and the vast majority of people, it wasn't that bad. I lost my smell and my taste. I put Tabasco sauce on a piece of bread and put it in my mouth, and I couldn't taste anything, but I still sweat. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever experienced. Oh, man. I've, I've, had, I've had colds that are worse than what COVID was, so wow. I'm just glad it's over. I'm a COVID veteran now, hey, man. So your house is completely COVID-free. We're 1,000% COVID-free, negative test awesome. all the way around. That's great. So. Well, you had a lot of people praying for you. Glad I to have appreciate you back in the studio. All of you praying for me. And we've got an incredible interview that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Nate, tell us about Dr. Young. So Dr. Dave Young wrote an article on Twitter, and it is called Why I Am Not a Recovering Fundamentalist. And I sent him a message and retweeted it, and we started this conversation. I said, hey, bro, we agree with a lot of what you're saying. Let's let us answer. So he is coming on next week. That's awesome to talk about his five reasons why he's not a recovering fundamentalist. And this dude is a class act. Seems he's a sharp. gentleman, very sharp, and very interested in this conversation. Sweet. So let's talk about the reason that everybody is listening today. The big question. Phil, just ask us a big question, and we're about to answer it. That was the most epic cliffhanger I think I've ever heard. Oh, I promise everybody's listening right now because last week I got a call from a pastor. He said, the moment he heard that end in mid-sentence and that emergency broadcast signal start sounding, he said he started screaming to the top of his voice, no, <laughs> you can't do this. I've waited till 2 a.m. I stayed up for this. So I think everybody is on edge. I am. We had some listeners this week that said, as soon as that alarm went off, she said, I jumped up and started looking out of the window yeah. and started checking the weather for a tornado. And I was like, I was low-key hoping that was going to happen. <laughs> so I didn't know how you were going to edit the ending, like where you were going to cut it off. And so I fast-forward when you sent it over to us. And as soon as it went off, I was literally in the quietness. I just put the kids to bed. I'm listening to it on my phone. That went off and kids sitting straight up. I was like, it, Nathan, you just woke the whole house up. Well, let's get into it. Y'all ready? Without further ado, here's Phil Kidd, part two. I would like for you men to help me, if if you would, because I have a question. Okay. I'm not going your route. I'm not coming to that flavor, though I'm not your enemy, and I think I proved that tonight. Right. I really want some help in this area, man, because I got hundreds of preachers that are listening to you right now, and I want to hear from all three of you. They are so sick of the independent movement, they cannot sleep at night. They see the corruption, the hypocrisy, the control, the cultism, the cover-ups. They want out so bad and honest, they cannot sleep. 
but they don't know where to go. What do I tell these young guys that have a desire to come out of the independent movement, but they have no desire to go to the contemporary flavor? Where do they go? Where do I send them? What do they call themselves? Okay, I've helped a lot of guys leave fundamentalism. I get calls just like you do. All the time. Frequently. If I can clarify one thing, um, I know the service you were at uh, when you mentioned the church in Anderson, and uh, I am absolutely nothing like their ministry. I would be far too conservative for them. Probably, yes. And um, and so I would agree with you. I think the seeker-sensitive movement, I agree with you, not, not that there will be a lot of damage and harm to come from it. I believe there already is, and there already yes. has been. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I don't know how you have a movement for a group of people who don't exist because the Bible says there's none that seeks after God. Right. I don't know how you have a seeker-friendly movement when there's, there's no seekers. But um, I've helped a lot of guys come out of fundamentalism, and I think all three of us, this is what we would say. Uh, we are not anti-Baptist. We're not anti-conservative. We're anti-legalism. We're anti preaching things as if it is doctrinal when it is not. Um, and so I think the place these guys need to go to, first of all, is they need to find friendships because the biggest thing that guys fear when, when it comes to leaving the fundamentalist movement is that they're going to be completely exiled and alone. Which I have been. And so I think a lot of guys fear if I walk away from fundamentalism, there is no there's no place for me to go. There's there's no one for me to belong to and, and with. And we need relationship and we need community. I think guys need to find friends who have who have walked away from fundamentalism and survived. Because when I left, I left alone and I believe I suffered a nervous breakdown. And, and so I would say this make sure and find people that you can live in relationship with. And there then you need to find people who are doctrinally sound. Yep. Uh, you need to find people that are going to align with you scripturally, doctrinally, who are going to love you without all the, the prerequisites and and all the hyper standards that you're going to have to meet in order to be in relationship with them. So I think it's about friendship and relationship. And I think any of the three of us would be glad to have those guys get in touch with us. As a matter of fact, Hope Church has been very gracious to me to allow me the opportunity to minister to guys like that. I, I do quite a bit of traveling to connect with guys like that. Of course, I'm not in that business full time, but I love to help guys who are saying, I no longer want to be a part of this movement because of what it represents. At the same time, they need to understand we're not asking people to go as far as to be a part of what you would describe as the contemporary church or the contemporary movement, because let's just be honest, you go from one set of legalisms to That's another it. set of legalisms. That's it. And that just can't exist. So I think along those lines, we just did an episode a couple of weeks ago called The Tale of Two Ditches, because what happens is when they leave legalism, they go to the complete opposite. I've seen it, what, brother Gross. And so I've where, where we talk about is life is not meant to be lived alone. It is best when in the context of community. And that's yes. the biggest thing that we hear from folks that have left the IFB is they need community. Leaving the legalism, the man-made ideology, the things that are added to Scripture to make it fit a narrative. And what we're saying is you got to understand first is whose you are and 
and who you are. You got to know who you are because in this movement, all three of us, Nathan, Brian, and myself, and I'm sure you guys have felt this, we live for people's acceptance rather than from the acceptance of who God says we are in him. And so we're trying to find that community. And I think this podcast is a great place to start. We have people all the time that are writing in and we're able to communicate back and forth, but getting them connected, not just with Nathan, Brian, or myself, but getting them connected with other people and realizing we want to help those that are bound by the chains of legalism. We want to help. We want to encourage. We want to challenge. But what we're hoping is that folks are realizing I'm not alone in this because it is a very lonely place when you leave. And we knew starting this podcast back in January, 22, 23 episodes ago, that this is a line in the sand. Like there's no Mm -hmm. going back after this podcast airs. We're going to be shunned. We're going to be black labeled by some, or, you know, we're never going to be able to go back to some of those places. But the message of getting out that there is hope, there is help for the hurting and realizing you're not alone in this, that there's others going through that, that's where the context of community comes in. And that's what we're hoping to give to them is that context of community there. Maybe either on this broadcast, uh, Brother Nathan, as you're getting ready to speak, uh, or one in the near future, you guys could give some information on some contacts they can make. uh, Because I'm a loner, so when I jumped out, you know, I didn't give a good glory flip if I ever got a phone call from yeah. anybody, but not everybody's built that way. Sure. And I understand that, but loyalty is very precious to me mm. because of where I come from. So when you dump loyalty, I'm through with you and mm. it really doesn't matter anything else you have to offer mm. me. So brother Cavat, what can I tell these guys? Well, in answer to your question, I think we're all three in different places. I lean more to the reformed side And that's not just because I woke up one day and said, ooh, I want to be young, restless, and reformed, and I want to go that direction. No, I realized one day that everybody that had really ministered to me and helped me in my life, like Spurgeon, like John Piper, like Tim Keller, like R.C. Sproul, and I'm walking, and I didn't even really know what Calvinism was at the time, but I'm looking back, even guys like Tom Hayes growing up and Tom Gillum, who were like my favorite preachers growing up. I figured out when I was became an adult that they were more Reformed, more Calvinist-leaning. And I'm like, what is this? And I start digging into it, and my soul just starts exploding. And it goes back to being who God's called you to be. That's how I'm wired, man. When I start reading these Reformed guys, it just makes sense to me, the glory of God, focusing on God's sovereignty. And it just brought all the pieces together for me that that's who I am. And JC and I aren't the same in everything. Me and Brian aren't the same in everything. We focus on different things. We do things differently in our church and and how we lead. But one thing that I believe ties us all together is when we were, each one of us, as you listen to our stories, and they're the first uh, three episodes that we put out, when you listen to our stories, the one thing that binds us together is when we were ready to leave something that was broken, we went to Scripture. And we said, God, if we don't find it in your word, we're not going to do it. And we're tired of elevating tradition over scripture. And we went back to the Bible. And it's amazing at how much freedom and variety there is in the three of us and even in the five of us here on the episode today. And I guess you can say I'm quoting Phil Kidd right now, but we need to be (laughs) ourselves. And that resonates with me a lot. Hey, since you just quoted Phil Kidd, you might want to brush your resume up. <laughs> brush it up, brother. I didn't know that, but I did not. I didn't know you was a tulip. But let me tell you what Dr. Squirting tulip at that. Yeah, let me tell you what Dr. Sider told me about Calvinism. 
Dr. Seidler said, Brother Kid, I don't care what form of doctrine they give you as far as a title. As long as they love sinners, leave mm. them alone. Yeah. If they get into fatalism and they lose their burden. Nobody understood mm. the foreknowledge and that of God any better than the Apostle Paul. Nobody. Read the book of Ephesians. It's very clear. Yeah. But it never dampened his compassion yep. to reach people. Amen. And so I can live with that balance. Yeah. And I'm hoping maybe some guys will plug into you. The thing that I think really, brother, that if I have just a few more minutes, I don't know how much time we have. We're I good. I've never, never done this before, is the covering up of corruption. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. And everybody listening, you listen to me. This thing has become so corrupt. And it doesn't matter what you do. It's who you are. Hmm. And they will cover for you. For instance, I had a guy, he runs about 2,500. I preached meetings for him every year. And he called me on the phone and he said, I heard you're preaching for your son. I said, that's none of your business. <laughs> and he said, well, you're scheduled to be with me in two months. And I got problems with you preaching for Pastor Paul. I said, it's none of your business. He said, well, I'm thinking about canceling you. I said, consider it done. I, it's fine. I don't care nothing about you anyway. And I said, well, just, you know, you do your thing. I'll do mine. <laughs> so we went different ways because he's not going to tell me where I can and can't go. It's not going to happen. Forget my my son. It's not going to happen un, under any circumstance. Long story short, this is where I got sick to my stomach. He had a youth director and his wife at the church. She got pregnant by a 15-year-old boy in the church. He never addressed it. He never turned it in. Nobody was ever disciplined. The youth director's wife got pregnant by this 15-year-old boy. And the pastor relocates them to another state and recommends him to be the pastor of a church. Now, here's a man that won't have me because he don't like Pastor Paul's music, but he'll cover for a man that his wife has committed statutory rape in the church. Hmm. And that has never been dealt with to this day. And the only way I find out, found out was the 15-year-old boy called me. And he said, look, that his first kid's not his, it's mine. So I called the pastor. I said, did your wife sleep with this guy? And she said, he said, yeah. And I said, look, I, I can't preach for you. You guys are crazy. Hmm. I said, this is, this is pedophile stuff. This is against the law. Hmm. But see, they listen to the right music. They all wear dresses. Uh, they all carry King James Bible. So if you bang the youth director's wife and get her pregnant, it's cool. As long as you know, wear a dress and carry the right Bible. Hmm. And this stuff went on and on and on. And I watched it cover up. I'd call them on the carpet. I'd say, look, I'm not preaching for you. An evangelist out of Michigan called me and said, I want you to write the foreword of my book. And I said, who's printing it? And he said, a printing press in Florida. I said, I'm not writing a foreword for your book. That sucker's a pedophile. Are you crazy? Why are you fooling with that idiot? You know he's a pedophile. No, I'm not writing a foreword to your book. And he went down there and preached for him and let him print his book. And all he would talk about was the nice suit they would buy him and how big the offering would be. So the same church hired another guy that committed sexual sins with a woman at his church before he went there, made him the president of the college. So I called three of my friends that was going to preach for him. And I said, look, this guy's a pedophile. He's videoing little girls. This guy had sex with a little girl in his church. Are you, surely you guys aren't going, are you? Oh yeah, brother. You know, we're, we're going to go down there and preach because, you know, we get a nice suit and a lot of money. I said, you dirty, rotten egg sucking, good for nothing 
yellow belly compromisers. You're what's wrong with this movement. And if they call up here and deny this, I'll call their stinking names and um, I'll drive to their state. And in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, I'll beat the living devil out of them because that's exactly what they said. And the only reason why they canceled that meeting was it got through the movement that they were going and so many people put pressure on them that they turned around and canceled, not because of conviction, but because they were going to lose meetings. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I would get out of the ministry if I was driven with nonsense like that. Yeah. And this stuff has been going on forever in the independent yeah. movement. Let me ask you this question. Can the ship be turned around? Can- no, sir. That's why I got out. I got out. Look, I don't mind a ship taking on water. But when that sucker is filled up to the sails, you are wasting your time. Mm. Dr. Seiler said it this way. There are too many birds lodged in the branches. You are not going to beat them out. There is so much corrupting in this. And, you know, if you preach for the sword of the Lord crowd, then you can't preach for the Paul Chapel crowd. Hmm. And if you preach for the Hiles crowd, you can't go to this crowd. And, and brother, they're all, it's just ridiculous. And many of them are corrupt from the very founder down. They're, they're corrupt. They're molesting these kids. They're screwing little bus kids and getting by with it. And nobody wants to say anything about it. Can I keep that name on my church hmm. when I know this nonsense is going on? So I took a list of proven stuff and took it before my church. And I said, here's the decision we're going to make. I have no problem leaving tonight, but I refuse to have IFB on a church sign that I'm pastoring hmm. from this day forward. This thing is so corrupt. We're going to lose the power of God in this place. We're going to be lonely. We're going to get shot. We're going to get light out. Look, brother, just last month, they shot all my windows out with nine millimeters down at my church. Shot everything out with nine millimeters. They, they, I've, death threats is a daily thing for me now. They've lied on my wife. They've lied on my kids. They have done every, they've turned me into the IRS to be audited because they cannot control me. They are filthy. They're corrupt. They're compromisers. And they're money hungry. I want to make a quote one of them said to me. I love two things in life. And one of them is something I don't want to mention and money. And I said, if that's what you love in life, you're a sorry piece of trash. Hmm. And I've never had him back in my pulpit again. Hmm. And this is not isolated incidences. There's over 1,100 cases across the country of independent Baptist preachers messing with little kids. And I could give you stories all night long. Hmm. So I said, you know what? It's too corrupt. A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, I'm getting out. So I've just been myself ever since. But I've had over 260 pastors call me weeping, saying I want out and I don't know where to go. That's one of the main reasons why I wanted to come on here, because I don't know where to tell them to go. Mm. And, you know, what you just said so resonates with me, because the conversation that my dad and I had a little while back, the thing that really disappointed my dad, and you know a lot about this, he had men getting up and boycotting meetings that he was supposed to be preaching in and state meetings. And these guys would leverage the amount of money that they poured into a particular state meeting. And, and they would say, we're not bringing our crowd. Our choir won't be there if Craig Edwards is there. But my dad sat down and talked to me about the fact that the guys who are now leading the movement, that they prostitute themselves out to the highest bidder. Yes. Whoever gives the best offering they will politic, they will, they will become a chameleon so that they take on the color or the stripe of whoever they're with for yes. that particular week. And my dad sat down and he talked to me about the fact that he wasn't willing 
to prostitute himself out for anyone's money, for anyone's meeting, uh, for anyone's approval. And, and I agree that it's so corrupt. And, and I'll say this, when you've been uh, in the inner workings of the IFB, and you don't know it from the outside looking in, but you know it from the inside looking out. Absolutely. You realize how poison it is, and you understand what a mess this is, an irredeemable mess in my opinion. Uh, not that Nathan asked me the question, but but you, you spoke the truth when you said that, and uh, it's been proven true to our family. You know, we've been attacked in unbelievable ways. My dad has been hated and attacked and received letters and messages that that people wouldn't believe if they if he were to make those things public people wouldn't believe it he's too gracious to make those things public but you're exactly right it's corrupt to the core in my opinion it's it's nasty and brother it seems like all the corruption leads back to immorality every time hmm. and you was talking about you know changing crowds for the highest bidder they're whores that's what a whore does. She sleeps with a guy that offers her the most money. These guys will crawl in the bed with whoever offers them the most money. Hmm. They're nothing but spiritual whores. Hmm. I've told them that to their face. And I've, you know, I've called them and I said, man, what are you doing? Are you killing yourself? You can't sell out to that crowd. Well, they print my books. If I break away from them, they won't print my books. See, I wrote two books and the independent movement told me, said, oh, if you don't let an independent publisher print it, you won't sell. No, nobody will buy your book. I sold 20,000 copies of it. <laughs> but see, they had me to believe that nobody would buy it because they didn't print it. That's how crazy this nonsense is. And I could tell you stories all night long, gentlemen, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to help young men. These old guys are not coming out. They're setting their ways. They're in their comfort zone. They're collecting their check. They're not coming out of the independent movement. It doesn't matter if they start sleeping with shade gorillas. They're not coming out of the independent movement. <laughs> but maybe some young guy. <laughs> that's a good one. I've never heard that one before. Well, that's how corrupt they are. I've heard everything else. That's got to be next. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we all agree. It's, it's obvious. We all agree. There are some things that need to be changed. We we all are out of the IFB because we don't think it can be salvaged at this point. But at the same time, I think we would all say there are good men and good churches yes. in the IFB movement. See, here's, and I'm glad you said that. When we split out of the Southern Baptists in the 40s, they were good men that stayed in. Yeah. But we would never admit that. We thought everybody was a compromising, corrupt piece of trash if they stayed in. And that was not true. But that's what we were taught. Yeah. There were good men that stayed in that convention. And some of them are my best friends right now. And I love them and they love me and they preach at my church and they bring the house down. The best friends I have in this world are still in the independent movement. Yeah. And when I talk to them like I'm talking to you, every one of them will bow their head and say, you're right. I agree. But where do you go? What do I do? What do I tell my church? Because, see, I'm still Baptist in our doctrine. We haven't changed anything at all. But, brother, think about this. We, one of you guys talking about outsiders. Have you looked at the average independent Baptist church sign? There's 47 identifications. Independent, <laughs> fundamental, King James, premillennial, pre-tribulation, eschatology, soteriology. You know, when a, when a sinner drives by, he Exegitis. thinks of Jesus. 
<laughs> he thinks they're diseased people that are in the church. Why can't you just say this is a church? And the only reason why we put that list is for insiders. Yeah. You put KJV on a sign, which I am, by the way, 100%. But you think a sinner understands what those three letters mean? Nope. So why am I putting that on a sign if I'm trying to reach outsiders? Mm. I'm not trying to fill my people up with a bunch of rejects from other churches. I'm trying to reach my community that nobody else wants. Mm. So we have so catered to insiders only that that's all we know how to do. And we just went a different direction. We reached street people and bums, and that's the way I'm going to keep doing it. From from what I can remember, that's exactly how Jesus did it. Absolutely. He went out to the outsiders. Well, we all agree that there are a lot of problems in the IFB, and we could record many episodes, and we will, talking about that. But I would love to wrap this thing up by asking you what I think is probably one of the most important questions of all, and I'd love to hear different people's answer to this. Phil, what is the gospel? We know the gospel is the answer. So what is the gospel and what is the hope for mankind? Well, that is another thing. Until we get back to that being the priority of our message, because I don't know the man that preaches on more stuff than I do. I even think about stuff to preach on. That, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a preference. I would never call it Bible. But when you pastor the kind of people I pastor, you got to stay. You got to look at things in a different way, I guess, a little bit. But, brother, when we got away from the gospel message, that's when we started producing people that were more interested in dresses and pants. By the way, I got women that come to my church every service with pants on, every service. Mm. And I've never called them a whore because they had pants on, and I never would. Now, my wife dresses in modest apparel. I dress with a shirt and, shirt and tie on all the time. But that's my flavor, and that's my gig. I don't make anybody else do that. But the gospel is the only thing that can change these people, brother. Mm. I can, I'm picking up a street bum Sunday. I'm telling you, you can smell him 10 feet away. He shot a gram and a half of crack yesterday, and somebody had mixed it with fentanyl from China, and he shot it in his neck. And I found him on the side of the road today almost dead. That was mm. the day. And he's coming to church with me Sunday. Now, brother, taking the needle out of his neck today isn't going to save him. <laughs> if he never touches meth and crack again, and his teeth are rotted out, and he's in his 30s, I, the gospel is the only thing that can change this yep, guy. That's right. I know. I'm not a recovering addict. I am a born-again Christian. I've been straight for 42 years without relapsing one time because I didn't get reformed. I got regenerated. Mm. You've got to know you're lost. You've got to see yourself more than just breaking the law of a church. You are alienated from God through our depravity, mm. and it's something that we inherited. It is what we are. We are depraved. Yeah. There is not an ounce of life or light in a sinner. Outside of the Holy Ghost, revealing that to them, he will die just like he is. And you can change anything about him you want. There must be a visitation of a supernatural God mm. to intervene in that individual's life. Amen. That's what happened to me. Yeah. What I used to love all of a sudden made me sick. I couldn't stand me. I couldn't stand my life anymore. I was far beyond the bottom. And through that, I realized I'm just not disappointing my mom and dad. I'm alienated from God. Mm. And to think that God would allow his son to pin my sin to the cross and cover him in his blood and let him die and raise him three days later, seat him at the right hand of God, willing to call those that will call upon his name through faith and repentance 
is an amazing story to me. The simplicity of the gospel is amazing to me. It's that simple gospel message. And it's just like you see scales fall from their eyes. And you see wretched people that everybody's give up. Brother, I want 13 motorcycle men to Jesus last week. Mm. And I preached on you must be born again. 13 motorcycle men from the biggest street gang in the state of Michigan. Big men walk the aisle weeping like babies. You can't make men do that without the Holy Ghost visiting them. These guys rode bikes. I mean, they're mean as snakes. And all I do is give the gospel. That's all I can do is throw out the lifeline. It's not my business to bring results. It's not my job to bring numbers. I Last time I heard, I think Jesus said he'd build a church. Mm. So I'm just kind of filling in and preaching a little bit of what he said. <laughs> and he's going to send the right people in at the right time. And he'll save them right on time, every time. So you don't do a Dr. Harrison invitation? I don't even know what that is, sir. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Good. I've never seen it. Good for know. you. But do you I'll do you dramas? I'll tell you what I did do. I was on a cruise ship with my family. <laughs> and there's not really much for somebody like me to do on a cruise ship. I saw enough cellulite to resurface the moon. <laughs> and... Uh, Seriously, brother. So I go around with a suit on, on a cruise ship. I wear a suit all the time. Well, people think yep. I work there. So I take complaints. I, I get them extra laundry. I, I, mean, I never tell them I don't work there. So I passed by a beer joint one night and, and it was packed to overflowing. And my son told me it was called karaoke. Matter of fact, he won the championship that night. <laughs> And you can go in, brother, and they'll play songs, and anybody can sing. Okay, um, uh, just just for those, I sing Friends in Low Places. <laughs> in your Bermuda shorts. And then Dad and just, for the, just for the record, I laugh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, so I walked in, and I said, you mean I can sing? And, of course, I had a suit on, and they said, yeah, you can sing. I said, I, I want to sing, too. This place was packed. Now, I mean, there's people hanging everywhere, and they're all drunker than a bald owl. And I said, give me that microphone. So he started playing Amazing Grace by Elvis Presley. And I said, look, I'm not going to sing tonight, but if you know this song, raise your hand. Well, everybody started raising their hand. I said, I'm not going to embarrass me, you, or God. But while this song's playing, I'm going to tell you how I got born again. Woo. You need to say, you need to meet God. Brother, people were dragged. They were grabbing their drinks and running out of the bar with their hands <laughs> over their head. They were cupping their ears. It was the crazy. So I, I'm walking out, and there's this black guy. I mean, his arms are that big around. And he leaned over the rail, and he said, hey, punk, I didn't come on this boat to hear preaching. I said, I'm going to tell you something, Jack. I didn't get on this boat to get drunk either, so get over it. <laughs> and, of course, I got out of there real quick, man. He was a big dude. <laughs> And did you know, brother, he came to me the next day and apologized and said, man, I don't have enough guts to do what you did. I'm sorry. It made me mad. He said, I'm a bodyguard. I know I've been trained to fight. Anybody mess with you on this boat, let me know. And brother, by the end of the cruise, everybody on the boat called me the Rev. <laughs> I mean, the whole boat. Come on. But see, people will criticize my boldness, but they won't go in a beer joint and preach the gospel like I do. Mm. And I've done that many times. Paul, remember my pastor, Paul, I preached at the silver dollar lounge. There was 300 people there. I walked in a beer joint. The owner said, what are you doing? I said, the Lord told me to preach. He said, unplug the jukebox. Let him preach. I preached to 300 drunk people. They stuffed my pockets full of money crying. 
saying that's the kind of preaching I was raised on when I was a kid. I went home and told my wife, we're getting a new prayer card. I'm going to be a missionary to the beer joint. These, these people love me. And Pastor Paul verified this. The barmaid came to my meeting that night and got saved. So see, that, that's the part of me you never hear people talk about. Yeah. You might be reformed done. after all. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 don't be throwing that tulip stuff around, brother. I'm not going that route, but that's the side of me that people don't know. And I appreciate you saying that brother Cabet, because I do love people. Yeah. I give my life for people. Mm. I'm a businessman. I could have been a multi, multi, multi-millionaire years ago, but God called me to preach and I wouldn't trade it for anything I've ever done in my life. And we've been on a long time. This has been great. Is there any other questions you guys have for me? No, I think we're good, man. We want to thank you for coming on. I know there's a lot of people in this movement that we've invited that won't take our invitation, and you know, you, cowards. Yeah, you you <laughs> stepped up, pussy cats. <laughs> and I'm glad you came and shared your story. And I think this is going to help a lot of people understand why you are the way you are. And when they hear it, uh, I think it it'll give a give a good behind the scenes look at Phil Kidd. Absolutely. And so we're glad and you I came on. You guys to help, I, and you guys helped me tonight. You guys helped me. You guys showed me some things. You give me some stuff to think about. And I'll tell you this. We're looking. The question that you ask, what can we do for those guys that are wanting to get out? We we have that question a lot, and and we get that all the time. And I'll tell you, we sit here. We we didn't know, Phil, when we started this thing in January – we this is just a conversation that we've been having and said let's get around a microphone because maybe there's other people having this here we are almost at a half a million downloads and we're like how in the world did this thing get this big with people having this kind of conversation and right. so what we're looking at is what how can we take this past just talking into a microphone to doing something to helping folks and so we're looking at you know Bible studies and and curriculum yes. and devotionals and things like that 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 takes it from just a talk to a help because what we find awesome. in in what we find in this is that it's kind of like a pond. Everything just flows in and it's just That's dead cool. and it starts stinking. And so we want to bring right. help and hope to those that are hurting. And so we want to help those folks that are reaching out to you and giving resources to that. Yeah, I want you to do that, brother. We need, we got to have another voice. You know why independents won't come on here? They cannot stand to be challenged in what they believe. That's right. That's exactly they can't right. stand it. The only other question I wanted you guys to ask, man, I, you kind of soft soaked me a little bit. Um, was that I'm a racist. Man, you, you never heard that I'm we a racist. Have that we have that down, and we just didn't okay. get to it. You want us to well, ask I'm it? I'm a racist, see? I'm a racist. <laughs> and uh, I let that, listen, I let that go for years, and I never said anything about it. Finally, when, I, when it reached the peak, because people were so controversial with it, it was then that I, that I revealed to them that I'm mixed. And when I revealed to the world that I was mixed, everybody dropped their mouth and said, oh, dear Lord. What have I said about this preacher? I got three nieces that are black. I got two nephews that are black. My oldest niece, I told her, you can come live with me. Let me put you through college. I'll take care of you. I'll pay all your bills. I'm going to send her through school. She comes to live with us. It won't cost her anything. Here's the thing about it, brother. It is not a color issue. One of the best men I got in my church, he's so black, he's purple. He loves me, man. And he's married to a woman that's whiter than a cracker. And and I bad, I just baptized a man and they're so excited for God. I, they love me. I love them. They're precious to me. And I explain to people, if they will listen to me and quit listening to excerpts, it is not a color issue. Because if you just preach against black and white, but you're okay with Orientals and everything else, you are a racist. Mm. Because the, you've got a black issue now. 
It is not a color issue. Get over that. It is a culture issue. See, I remember when churches were called interracial churches. Brother Edwards, you don't hear that word anymore. anymore. Oh. They're called multicultural. Why did they change it to multicultural? Because they realized that it wasn't the color that was causing problems in their marriage. It was the difference in their culture that was causing the problems in their marriage. They're four times more apt to divorce if they come from different cultures. I have warned my people of that. I challenge you to find anybody, one person of any race that has ever felt like I shunned them because of their color. That has never happened. Never would happen because it's in my family. I mean, how big of a hypocrite could I possibly be? I'm moving a black niece into my house to go to college and paying the way she'll come. How could I be a racist and do that for my own family? I do preach that it generates more controversy if you do have a mixed culture of marriage. That is a proven fact, and you can search it out for yourself. But because of I give that warning, now I'm a racist because I'm from Mississippi. I preached against the Ku Klux Klan when they stood on the street corners at, at four-way stops with buckets begging for money. I was the only preacher in the state of Mississippi that took it to the pulpit and said, this stuff's out of hell. Hmm. Don't you ever give them a dime. I was the only preacher that did that. We're talking back in the back in the late 70s, early 80s now. I stood against that nonsense. But everybody, there's there, that controversy is what keeps you on the front page. Always told my wife, if I'm going to be in the fundamental paper, I want the front page, not the comic section. <laughs> and so I would let them run their mouth, run their mouth. And then I'd say, look, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm mixed. I'm, I'm not I'm not all white. And, and just like you guys are silent right now, that's, that's, that's the answer I usually get. Jesus loves everybody. That's right. Well, I'll tell you one thing. No one will ever be able to say after this podcast that you're a lily-livered, egg-sucking, gluten-free, <laughs> vegan-loving, ESV-loving, flip-flop-wearing, compromising coward. Hey, <laughs> man! See, I'm already influencing you, my brother. Oh, man. Oh, man. Hey, is there Say anything that else? Sunday from your pulpit. No, thanks. <laughs> well, since you brought that question up, let me finish with this one question. And I think you've already answered it tonight in one of your statements, but I want to ask you this. Are homosexuals all reprobate or can they be saved? Basically, man. is anybody beyond being saved by the grace of God? Man, you guys are bringing some heavy stuff. You guys have been you, you you guys have been sitting around for weeks waiting for this, man. You ain't fooling me. And again, I get accused of not loving people because I call them fags and homosexuals and sodomites. They'll say, oh God, he don't love anybody. I want to ask you guys something. Do you have a transgender person that dresses like another sex come to your church? I do. I got an individual that dresses like the other sex seven days a week, every day of their life. He is a man. He wears a wig, high heels, nylons, and a dress every day of his life. He's, he's transgender, all screwed up, has no idea what he is. I have loved that man. When he doesn't come to my church, I call him. I invite him back because I know the only hope that guy's got is that gospel I'm thundering from that pool. Come on. He right. will never stop that outside of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how much he respects me. He has never come to my church dressed like a woman. He went out and bought clothes to come to my church. Brother, I have sat there and said, before I knew it, 
I've said, you know what, these non-gender, transgender, you don't know what you are, born one thing, changed to another. I said, you ain't right with God. You're a pervert. The Bible says you've got to get right with God. And he has sat right there. He loves me. If you called him tonight, he would fight for me. But he dresses like a woman every day in his life. Mm. So if I didn't think there was hope, then why would I want something like that coming to my church? And we're, and we're finding more and more of this where people don't know their identity anymore. They don't know what they are, man. 70% of these kids don't even have a male figure in their life, mm. for heaven's sake. They don't know what they are. So I may come now, I may get in their grill about it and I may be a little more forceful than you guys, but nobody will love them any more than I will. So is there a point? Yes. But it doesn't mean that every look, there's a point where religious people are reprobates. Yeah. I mean, that, that applies to church people sitting under the gospel, hardening their heart. You know the story there. So you, why do you just single out sodomites? Mm. Anybody can cross a line and not come back. But I don't think everybody that's participated in that lifestyle is automatically cut off from God and never able to come back again. How can you present the gospel to everybody if that is a reality? Can, can I just say myself personally, hearing some of the older episodes and listening to certain people and stuff, probably the thing that broke my heart the most was hearing people defend that, you know, someone who is of that lifestyle cannot even come into their church. Mm. That's right. Why do we, if the gospel and the gospel is the most powerful thing in the world, if it is the most powerful thing in the world, and it's not just a thing, it is the gospel of Christ, right? And we know it's the Holy spirit. If, if it can overcome even death itself, the power can overcome death itself. Why would we not Amen. believe that preaching the gospel from Amen. a pulpit can cannot change someone's life? Come on. We do not know who has crossed any type of threshold. Grace of God, no, there's a difference on that. It's not my business. No. My business yep. is to give the gospel. Right. And and you know what? We have people in our church. We have had people come that are uh, homosexual. Me too. They have stayed. Some of them, have, they came for the wrong reasons. Uh, they started challenging about, you know, well, you have to, you know, accept and affirm and all this. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, Amen. what the gospel says mm. first. And, you know, that was offensive to them. At the same time, I've had others come who are like, listen, I understand that we, you know, I understand you're not going to agree with me right now. Do we have a home where we can sit and listen to you? We think you're, you know, God is using you here. Am I going to reject them from coming and hearing the gospel a thousand times? No, no. because the only thing that can shake them is Amen. not me. It is the Holy Ghost working right. in them. Amen, and I'm just praying that the words that I say as a pastor is what speaks into their heart by the words of God out of the gospel. Yeah, that's Amen. simple. And Amen. anyone Anyway, such were some of you, but you are washed, but yes. you are sanctified, yep. but you are justified. justified. Yeah. It, it is, it is it, that right there. When I heard uh, certain people talk mm. about, you know, they wouldn't let them in the church to hear the gospel. That mm. broke my heart more Me than anything too. because mm. that becomes a respecter of persons. And, and I'll tell you something. If I had to pick one person that was reprobate, I would have to start with me. Because I know Absolutely. myself, I know how Amen, I know how messed up I am before Jesus Amen. and even after Jesus. Man, I still Amen. have some struggles. Yeah. Amen. So I'm not going to point my finger at anybody else. Nobody is beyond God's grace. I, I actually had a, a a preacher call me one time, and he said, "I don't think you tell people that 
you know, they're big enough sinners. He's like, I've listened to you preach. And I was like, okay, what do you mean by big enough sinners? He's like, the only way you can be saved is if you understand exactly how sinful you can be. I said, okay, two problems with that. Number one, Jesus said to bring the children to him. Do you think a child understands the depth of sin? Right. (laughs) Number two, Holy Ghost. I said, I don't even know how bad a sinner I could be. Yeah. I don't know the depths of my depravity apart from Jesus. Right. And so you're telling me I have to understand something that I can't even understand to be saved. It is, that is not the gospel. The gospel is I believed in what he said. What he said was his son came and died for the sins of the world. The Holy spirit drew me to repentance without the drawing of the Holy spirit. It was not going to happen. And when I saw myself or who I was, it wasn't that I saw every sin I could ever commit as far gone as I could be as Mm. depth that I didn't know that. All I knew was I'm lost and I'm in need of a savior. Mm. And that is anyone at any place when they get to that point, that's when Jesus steps in. Amen. Listen to this. I led Paul. I'll take a hey man right there. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Paul got saved nine years old in my my study. Yep. And another thing, brother, about our doctrine, I was put in hell by the independent movement because my kids were not saved when they were five. Mm. Oh, you would not believe what I went through. I'm telling you, brother. And then everybody wanted to put the feather in their hat that the Leadfield kid's child to Christ. And I told, I tell everybody, the Holy Ghost has to bring these kids. Right. Right. I can't get these kids saved at five and then them doubt the rest of their life and get saved a hundred times. I'm not doing that. Mm. And I let the Holy Ghost bring my kids. My daughters were 12 years old before they ever got saved. My other son was like 10 or 11. But I let the Spirit of God bring them. Yeah. And let me tell you this about open doors, man. Can you believe Winston Cup NASCAR series called me and asked me to pray at their NASCAR race? Whoa. Yeah, that was heavy stuff. I said, look, man, you got the wrong number, brother. I am positive. <laughs> I, I'm positive I'm not the guy you're thinking. Oh, yeah, man, you've been recommended. Winston Cup. So I go down there, brother, thousands of people. And I said, Lord, I'm so glad the gospel, the death, barrel, resurrection. I mean, I gave the gospel out Mm. praying. And when I got done, this is what I said. And I'm glad that at the foot of the cross, all lives matter. Can you believe NASCAR gave me a standing ovation when I got done praying? And the week after that, President Trump's faith team called me from Washington, D.C. because they saw and heard the prayer on television and I got to pray with his faith team in Washington, D.C. yesterday. Man. Uh, and Mr. Trump will hear our prayers. All of us, there's five prayers. He will hear one a day, every day next week in the Oval Office. Hmm. So see, even when you cuss, God can use you. <laughs> and uh, it's just amazing how, how the Lord can open doors, you know, and, and put you in places you never dreamed of. Look, this has been fun. I've had a ball. Did you have something else, Brother Edwards? I was just going to say this after Paul finished a minute ago. Paul, that was great preaching. And um, if you want to have as many enemies as Phil Kidd, go to an independent Baptist camp meeting or Jubilee and preach that the Bible speaks more often against gluttony than it does homosexuality. Oh, dear God. Mm, come on. They'll man. love you like crazy. <laughs> Brother, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. (laughs) But you know, brother, I've seen guys preach and their shirt come out, you know, and they're so fat, they're bouncing around. And their belly button looks like a four-lane highway. (laughs) 
Well, on that note right there, we want to thank our sponsors, Free Life Soap, for sponsoring the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. They got soap. They got beard oil. They have shaving cream. Go to Free Life Soap at recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use the promo code RFP. Get 10% off of your purchase. We also want to thank our patrons of Patreon as well as J Radio for allowing us to use the studio. Dr. Kidd, we ask a lot of our folks that come on here uh, to wrap us up in a word of prayer. Would you do that for us tonight? In the name of Jesus, we approach the throne of grace tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the illumination you gave us one day to realize our condition without God and without hope in this world. Thank you for the blood of Christ, the redemptive power of your resurrected son, the forgiveness of sin and the assurance of heaven. I pray for many, many hundreds and thousands of young preachers that will listen to this broadcast. God, may you stir a spiritual awakening in their life. Would you turn them inside out with the gospel? May we keep our priorities right. May you give them courage to stand for and against. Lord, I pray for these men that do this podcast. The adversary hates them. And I'm sure the attacks are many from every direction. Give them grace. Give them power. Give them strength. Put a hedge around them. Keep them holy and clean and right. We thank you for this time together. Change many lives tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dr. Kidd, thank you for being on with us. Paul, good to have you back here. And uh, it's been a great episode. Thanks for being here with us. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Be sweet. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your t-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast.